I'm Kent again. Actually, I'm Kent only once, but I've been that way for a long time. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to be here in Venetia, and we're very, very, I am very, very excited to meet Matt and his team. You know, you guys got young pastors, of course young compared to me, my son probably thinks they're old, but um, <laughs> they're young pastors. That means the future of the church is so bright and promising, you know, and they bring a lot of energy, and just by talking to them a short while, I just want to say, man, you guys have been blessed by God, so be thankful that he has sent Matt and the rest of the the pastoral team. And you guys have great servants too. I was talking with the people back, you know, putting up the slides and stuff. It's not easy to work with an old guy like me to put slides up because I don't know what, how to work. So I just say, I need that picture over there, you know, and that scripture passage over there. So anyway, yeah, we minister in Hawaii and just to dispel the rumor, we're not having tropical drinks on the beach, you know. In fact, I was thinking about this. I have never, ever had a tropical drink on the beach. And I, I was born and raised in Hawaii. My parents were uh, born and raised in Hawaii. My wife's, by the way, my wife is just as local as I am. She was born and raised in Hawaii, so we're her parents. So we're just a couple of local people who uh, met Jesus. And we came up here. To, our first assignment was at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo down the road here. Beautiful place, giant, awesome ministry. Uh, but before we got there, we had to finish raising our support back in uh, 2000. And uh, just so happened, Aaron's sister Fiona and her husband Rob, Robert McKendry were living here in Benicia, and they're coming to this church. So when we came up for our crew winter conference with students, which we have once a year, uh, the students go to this and hear uh, great messages. They get to go to seminars, learn how to share the faith. They do some awesome worship with great worship music. Um, we went down there, and then we decided, you know, if you fly all the way up to North America from Hawaii, you got to make use of the trip. In fact, we said, we're almost done with our support raising. We're going to trust the Lord to finish our support up here. So we came up, and we asked Robert and uh, Fiona if we could come and meet the pastor, uh, Scott, that was here. And um, yeah, he welcomed us in. Let me come and speak. And, and yeah, a lot of folks here help finish our support. We got to go and spend five years at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and it was so awesome. We saw a huge movement. We had sometimes 800 to 1,200 students in the, the meeting room down there doing worship and listening to messages. The students ran just about everything down there, and that's why it worked so great. You know, the Lord really blessed that ministry. My freshman Bible study down there was about 12, 14 students. You know, it was just awesome to be a part of. And then some students at the University of Hawaii who had lost all of their crew, Campus Crusade for Christ staff in Hawaii started praying that us being from Hawaii would go back. And that was pretty much the end of it because then the Lord started talking to our hearts. And, you know, if you know when the Lord says to do something, you can't really say no. You can say no if you want, but, you know, it's not going to end up well. So, <laughs> you know. Big fish, you remember that? You know, we, we live across the ocean anyway. We always go back to Hawaii because we're from there. But so we went back, and God has been doing an awesome work over there. 15 years, we started out uh, restarting the ministry at the University of Hawaii at Manoa on Oahu, which is the big University of Hawaii system. Um, and then we are now expanded out to the University of Hawaii at Hilo. And uh, this past year, we did uh, what we call a crew expedition to the University of Hawaii Maui College. Um, 
which is now a four-year university. So if you know any young people who want to join staff and staff the University of Hawaii at Maui, they can go and do that. But let me tell you, you don't want to go there for a vacation uh, if you're doing ministry, because when you're doing ministry, it's not a vacation. Uh, the enemy does not like it that we are trying to reach Hawaii, because from Hawaii, young men and women can go to the world. Because in Hawaii, you grow up in multicultural system with lots of different ethnic people in your neighborhood. So you learn to eat Filipino food down the street and Hawaiian food, and you go over and do the customs of your Vietnamese friends or your Korean friends and native Hawaiian friends. And you, you just learn all kinds of cultures. So when we came up to California or any Hawaii person, when they go to any place, it's very easy for us to, to kind of meld into the culture because um, that's what we were brought up on. And so it's easy for young men and young women to go from Hawaii, which is right in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, to any of the Pacific Asian nations. And we've seen that happen. In fact, I always use this example of World War II when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. They weren't trying to get the biggest industrial nation in the world to come against them. They just needed to stop that place from sending young men and women to the Pacific region to end their tyranny. And that's what happened. You know, they didn't stop them. And so the Allies were able to send uh, young men and women to, to free the Pacific region from their tyranny. And, you know, we're trusting the Lord to do the same thing. We're trusting the Lord to go against our real enemy who's trying to put the Asia-Pacific region under his tyranny, the, the devil, and bring the gospel of hope and freedom in Jesus to all the nations in the Pacific region. So that's what we're trusting. And God is so good he is, he's doing it. Um, and thank you, First Baptist Church, because, because of you, uh, we are able to be there. So I want to do the traditional Hawaiian greeting. You guys ready? You guys know the word, right? You know what the word means, aloha? It's the word for love in Hawaii. You say it when you greet someone, you say it when you say goodbye. So it's, it's the multi-purpose word, I say. You know, so aloha means love. So I'm going to say aloha. You say aloha back. And the longer you hold the aloha, you know, you hold that part, the, the more you mean it. So I'm going to hold it really long. Okay? Aloha. Aloha. Praise God. Oh. You can't do circular breathing. That's not fair. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I hope that my last words... It will be aloha, saying aloha to my family. I read a bunch of quotes of last words from people, famous people. They weren't good, so I decided not to put them in the message, so just to let you know. Um, but, yeah, it's um, amazing when you, you look at your life and you think of... Sorry, I'm just setting this stopwatch to so I don't start go too long, right, Steve? Um, uh, yeah. Famous last words. You know what the famous last words of Jesus were? You guys know? It's been said the, the last words of someone before they leave uh, are, the, are the thing that they hold closest to their hearts. So this morning I want to look at Jesus' last words before he left his followers, his people. And it's of course found in Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. You guys know that one? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Um, I'm going to read it. So, he says, 
I'm going to read partway through verse 18. I'll just read from 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does God hold closest to his heart? What does our Lord Jesus hold closest to his heart? Well, it says that we would go and make disciples. Why does he say that? Um, what is he saying? That's the things that I asked when I looked at this passage. This is a driving passage, by the way, of Campus Crusade for Christ or crew, or I think most missionary organizations, is um, that he says, go and make disciples. And he says, go and make disciples of all the nations. I, I, I see an evidence in this passage that it is his heart, his main thing on his heart, because of how he frames that command. He says it from a position of authority. He states his authority. He says, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, I am God Almighty. I'm the creator. I made you. And now I've redeemed you. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. The one who is the name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords says to do this. Make disciples. So what is a disciple? Many of us misunderstand this. I know I didn't understand. And one of the students I talked to uh, thought that making disciples was coming into the church, finding somebody to you know, take alongside him and build that person up. But it doesn't go with this definition because Jesus says, make disciples of all the nations. How many of you know that most of the nations, well, not most of them, a lot of them don't know Jesus yet? And there's a lot of people even in our nation here that don't know Jesus. So you can't be just discipling Christians in the church, building them up in their faith. Making disciples means sharing your faith. And that's, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm an introvert. So it's interesting that God would ask an introvert like me to be on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ or crew. Because one of the main, our main edge is that we, we do active evangelism. We share our faith. Making disciples involves sharing your faith. And I know some people don't want to hear this, but that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's not only asking us to talk to non-Christians. He's also saying disciple people right here in this church, all nations, in Christian countries. But he is saying all nations, so everybody. And so I ask the question, why? Why does he ask this hard thing of us? And... I think we can put that why make disciples thing up there. It's because there are many who are outside the lifeboat of Jesus. I put it that way. I'm going to look at a passage um, in a little bit. But I think you would agree that this cruise ship that we're on called the earth, you know, all this stuff that's happening, all this great stuff is sinking. I don't know. Especially as a Christian, you might realize this. It's not getting better. You know, I always go against evolution. Of this thing. You know, things are evolving, getting better. People are getting better. I'm like, are you sure? Have you watched the news recently? Or are you keeping track of world events? Is, it getting, is the environment getting better? Are people getting better? You know, less diseases? And it doesn't look that way to me. 
Seems like it's sinking. You guys heard of the Titanic disaster? Happened on April 15th, tax day, right? In the U.S., of course. Tax day, uh, 1912. 1,500 people lost their lives. And you know, a couple of the reasons why that happened is because the people in the nice cabins, the luxury cabins, the wealthy people, were so comfortable when they started giving the warnings to get up to abandon ship they were like, oh, this is just a drill, you know. I got everything I need in here, right? Aren't we like that? Am I like that sometimes? You know, I'm kind of comfortable. You know, I'm not rich, but I got stuff, you know. I got a job. I got a family. You know, things are kind of comfortable. I don't know if I want to go and make more disciples. I don't know if we want to do that, do we? We're inside a nice comfortable cabin, right? Ship is sinking. I'm going to retire in a couple of years. What's up? So a lot of people are getting comfortable. And they forget that there's a lot of people going down with the sinking ship of this world. They're not inside the lifeboat of Jesus. And one, another thing that happened in the Titanic disaster, why there's so many people that died, that drowned, was because people in the lifeboats were rowing away from those that were stuck floating in the freezing cold water. Did you know that? I found that out not too long ago. It was kind of crazy to find that out. Um, they're afraid of those people. Might tip their lifeboat over. Huh? Might make things uncomfortable for them. Might get them wet. Might make too many people inside that lifeboat. Sink the lifeboat. Well, how many know that we can't sink the lifeboat of Jesus? He can take everybody, every person, and he cares. He loves the John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, everybody in the world, that he gave his son. Are we rowing away from those in our culture? Colossians 4.2 to 6. So if you want to turn there, you can go ahead and join me there. It, I think it gives us a good picture of how to get people into the lifeboat of Jesus. It says, starting at verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, which I am in chains for. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Pray God opens a door. You know, we get trained in evangelism really hard in Campus Crusade and Crew. We do it all the time. We try to train our students and sometimes you get so trained in it that you just go out and just start talking to people, even before asking God, why would we do that? We shouldn't do that. That's, and, but when we do pray to God, it is just awesome. And it's not because everybody we talk to comes to know Jesus or even receives us. It's because we know that we're doing what God wants us to do. When we walk on the campus and we go and talk to people, I know that he wants me to talk to that person, even if that person rejects me. Uh, the founder of Campus Crusader Crew, 
Dr. Bill Bright said, the, the description or the definition of successful evangelism is sharing Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. He didn't say it's about people receiving you or saying the prayer, sinner's prayer, or being willing to be open-hearted with the gospel. It's just about, it's all on our side. It was all about just getting out and sharing our faith. And discipleship starts there. It starts with just sharing, especially for those that don't know Christ yet. And if they don't come to know Christ, that's okay. A lot of times we just say, you know, like, I don't want to talk to you. Okay, well, have a good day. All right, and we, we walk along to the next person, you know. Um, it's just about taking the initiative, but we have to pray first. Take the initiative with God. I say, talk to God about people, and then talk to people about God. We get the order around the wrong way, it doesn't work. It's not right. Talk to God about who he wants you to talk to. And then when you meet that person, then talk to that person about God. It's easy for me to remember that. The next thing I see is that we need to proclaim clearly the mystery of Christ. And uh, we have tools for that. On, on my phone, on my smartphone, I have this app. It's called the God Tools app. It's a free app if you want it. If you can ask me about it later if you don't remember. But it's just God Tools. Just go and search God Tools in your app store. It's a free app. And it has all these different ways to share the gospel. How to help people know Jesus. And then there's another free app called the Jesus Film app. I don't know if you ever saw this. But, and both apps, you can put it into another language. So if you have a friend who doesn't know Jesus yet or wants to grow in their faith, but they, they're not too good in English, I'm not too good in Japanese or even native Hawaiian, you know, uh, then you can put it in their language and share it with them that way. So it's in English and that language. And the Jesus film is in multiple languages. So you can just, it's a film, so you can just show it to them. And the Jesus film has all kinds of short films which you can show to your friends. And um, just have, they have discussion questions. It's, it's great. So the God Tools app and the Jesus film app. Something that you can download for free on your phone. To proclaim clearly the mystery of Christ or the gospel. It says, be wise to outsiders. Those outside of the lifeboat of Jesus, right? Make the most of every opportunity. And it says, make your conversation full of grace and seasoned with salt. When we talk to other people, sometimes when I talk to other people, I start looking at the wrong things. What nationality they are, what age they are, you know, whether they're going to be a good leader in the campus or not. Uh, that's not how Jesus sees people. Jesus sees people as people he loves that he was willing, that he died for. Every person, even the person on the street. And, and so we need to look at, at every person that way too. We need to get away from our biases, our political biases and our ideas about social injustice or justice or anything. And just, just Make the most of every opportunity. Have grace in our conversation. And the thing, and I look at this passage, I see seasoned with salt. You know what that is? Is all of us like different kind of spices or foods, you know? And it's interesting that it uses a, a, a cooking term. Because 
we need to speak in a language, in a way that makes people interested. You know what salt does, right? That's why they have a lot of salty things in bars and stuff. Makes you drink more because you get thirsty. You want to speak to people in a way and add words in there that make them thirsty for the only one that can really quench their thirst. Jesus said, I'm the living water, right, to the Samaritan woman. That if, if she drank of him, she wouldn't thirst anymore. That's what he meant. And that's what this means, is that we need to season it with something about Jesus. One of the things I learned about that is uh, that we need to... My friend Josh Chen, who ministers with crew in uh, Oregon, he, sh- he sat down with me and shared... I was at the all-leaders gathering in, in Dallas, so I'm a team leader in Hawaii with crew. And I went to Dallas, and I sat down with him because I heard he had some interesting things to say about talking to millennials. And what he told me was, he said, one of the things he said was, just talk human. I was like, what? Yeah. He said, talk human. No Christianese. No, uh, you know, gospel of John and redemption and you know, salvation and things like that. Just talk human. Remember when you didn't know Jesus, you didn't go to church, which I didn't when I was growing up. Remember how that sounded and how to frame things in a way that anybody can understand. So I'm at the ALG and I just talked to uh, Josh for lunch and he tells me that and talking about millennials. And then one of the millennials on our campus named Kelsey gives me a call. It was about, I don't know, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, uh, Dallas time. It was about, you know, 7 o'clock in the evening Hilo time. And she's asking me about worship. So I talked to her for about an hour. We hang up the phone. I think I'm going to bed. Put on my pajamas. Climb in bed. It's about 12, 12.30. And my phone goes off. And there's a text from Kelsey. And it says, I think I want to ask Jesus into my life now. So I said, you know what? I'm at this conference. I'm tired. You know, got to get up in the morning, go to a seminar to teach me how to share Christ with students. <laughs> no, no. I didn't do that, right? Rolled out a bit in my pajamas, uh, called her up, went outside in the lobby, talked to her till about 2 o'clock in the morning, and she prayed to receive Jesus. And she's reading her Bible now, right? She's reading her Bible. We gave her a Bible. She's reading it. We keep the conversation going, right? Always with lots of grace. She, she had a, she's from Napa Valley, but... She didn't have a good experience in church. So I'm not telling her about church and how great church is. And I love church now, but I can understand where she's coming from. Well, guess what? Now she's going to church. She's on the worship team, <laughs> right? She brings her mom to church. She wants me to pray for her mom that she'll receive Christ. The pastor, who doesn't always give an invitation, gives an invitation that Sunday morning. Her mom prays to receive Jesus. You have that picture of Kelsey up there? There's Kelsey at her baptism. So, crew has this simple formula for doing ministry. It's win, build, send. Win students to Christ, build them up in their faith, and send them out to reach others. So, Kelsey starts going to uh, our Bible study on campus with Dustin, who's right there in the front. Hoppa kid from Washington. It looks local. It looks like a Hawaiian kid. And he acts like a Hawaiian kid. Always running around barefoot, you know. In Japanese, we say harashi. Running around in his luau feet, you know. Through the jungle. The other students call him the gazelle, you know. And he's leading this Bible study 
of all these different people. And Kelsey's in there. And she gets built up in her faith. And, and is already reaching out to others, like her mom. Um, there's two other girls in that Dustin's Bible study. Um, let's show the next slide. And they, well, this is, this is the baptism before that. Uh, we, we took Kelsey, Kelsey wanted to get baptized, and another girl, the third one from this side, uh, Hannah, she is from Kansas. She comes from a Catholic background, and she wanted to get baptized. But she said, um, please don't post this on Facebook yet, because if you did, my family is going to be in an outrage because she comes from a Catholic family. So she wanted us to wait. And recently, she, I think she, she kind of gave us permission to show it because she posted her own picture of her baptism. And so, and there's other students, one from Kauai and California and um, South Africa and Hilo and Saipan. So they come from all different places to come and get educated at the University of Hawaii at Hilo. Um, so when build at the Bible study and now these students are making a commitment to go and be sent ones for Jesus. So we just sent out uh, two students. We'll show the picture of the graduation. Uh, Mary and Taylor who, who are from uh, Mary's from Saipan and Taylor is from Hilo. Graduated from Hilo High School where I graduated from. And uh, they're going to go to their place. Their places of uh, Mary's going to work in Saipan in the government and be a witness there. And Taylor's going to hopefully be a witness in her area of work in Hilo. Win, build, and send. When Jesus says to go and make disciples, he just means go. Like I said, he could be going across to China or Africa, or you could just be going across the room to help your friend. Or going across your office to talk to your coworker, going to lunch with him or her, you know. Um, he just wants us to go because that's not our habit. That's not easy for me, especially as an introvert, to go to other people. Um, I wanted you guys to turn to a parable since you guys have been studying the parable, uh, parables of Jesus. And look at the parable of the sower. And I think it gives us a great, and I think a really easy way to, that's not going to scare you on how to make disciples. And I'm going to use this whiteboard here for that. What time am I at? Um, so the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. I don't know if we can put it up on the screen. Oh, awesome. Thank you. This is the Matthew one. They, uh, the Synoptic Gospels have these three par this parable in all three of them. And so they're very similar. But I read all three of them because I want to get the total framework of, the, of what Jesus is saying. But the, it's pretty clear in all of them that the seed is the word of God. And that the sower, which is God, but he uses us people, is the sower goes and sows broadly, it says. So to every person, you know. Um, the seed does the work. We, like I said, we, we, we translate it into human language. You know, the Bible is translated into human language, by the way. God doesn't necessarily favor 
King James English or New American Standard English or Chinese or Filipino, you know, Mandarin. It, he, he, he knows all languages. And he translated this for us through people so we could read it. But what we need to do is translate it into a way the person we're talking to and put the concept of Jesus in their mind like I did with, with Kelsey. When I talked to Kelsey, she was struggling with her graduate program. The pressures of it, all the things she had to do. And all I basically said to her was, you know, um, you're still going to have to work hard in your grad program. But if you had Jesus, if you gave it over to him, you gave your life over to him, you repented of trying to do it. And I didn't say repent, by the way. I said, if you, if you tried to stop doing it on your own and let Jesus help you have peace, I think that's pretty much what I said. That's when she understood and she wanted Jesus. She wanted that peace that Jesus, only Jesus can bring that peace in the midst of her struggle. He, doesn't, he didn't take away that struggle. She's still struggling through a grad program. But what we have to do is get, put that seed out and the seed does the work. You guys know what a banyan tree is? We had a banyan tree in our yard and that thing was small when we moved into our house and pretty soon it was reaching out to the house. It was saying, I'm going to take your house. <laughs> it was getting really big and high and the roots are coming out and busting up the ground. My friend, his, uh, their banyan tree broke the driveway. The concrete driveway broke the concrete. You know, the seed is a strong thing. And the, the Bible says that the, the, the word of God never comes back void. It's more powerful than any kind of weapon. And it's true. And all we have to do is plant the seed. Um, uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna do a little drawing. You guys have a pen there. You can draw this. It might help you understand it better. It's not gonna be a hard drawing. Very simple. I can draw. I can do art, but I'm not gonna do any fancy art this morning. I'm gonna do a very simple thing. In the Luke 8 passage of the parable of the sower, it talks about all the different soils that are in there. The um, the hard soil. The rocky soil, the weedy soil, and the good soil. They're all people along the, the path, the journey. Everybody in life is on a spiritual journey. Everybody. You, myself, everyone out there, everybody alive is on a spiritual journey. At some point, a person encounters Jesus if we do what Jesus asks us to do, right? Sometimes we meet people here. I promise I can draw better than this, but, <laughs> right? Really far away from Jesus. Or we'll meet somebody like Kelsey, right here. All I did was take the God Tools app, look at one of the concepts, and put it into very, very easy to understand human language that was pointed right at the place where she was meeting. My friend Josh Chen says, the bear in the road. That's what millennials face. They have so many choices that are beyond the bear in the road, but they can't get past that thing that they got to take care of this year or this month or tomorrow or today. So you have to help them understand how Jesus will meet them right there. And I was, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I was able to meet Kelsey right there, and she made a decision to receive Christ. And then she was here. Right? 
And then she prayed for her mom. And now her mom's here too. And both of them, hopefully, will go this way. If there's more... See, this is the thing about this idea. We're not alone. I might meet somebody here, and I get a conversation with him, and he calls me some kind of word or whatever, <laughs> and I don't get to talk. But I say, hey, that's okay. Have a great day, okay? Have a great day. See you later. Hey, get away from me. Okay. But he, he's wondering, like, how come this guy is so nice to me? What's the deal? Maybe Christians aren't so bad, right? And then somebody else, Steve, comes along, talks to him, right? Pretty soon. We're a team. We just have to all do our part, right? The main thing we want to do here is we don't want to do this. We don't want to move people backwards. And that's what happened in my life before I became a believer. I met people who said they went to church. And they were living and doing things worse than I was. And I said, why do I need to go to church to be like that? To be disloyal to my friends or talk badly about them when they're not around. Or complain about every single thing. I'm already doing that. I got to go to church to learn how to do that? Nah. Then I met the one that church is about. And it wasn't about the Christians. Yep, it was about the Christ. And to him, I had to say, yep, I need you. I don't need those guys, but I need you. And now I need those guys. <laughs> because he's asking me to make disciples. So everybody I meet, and that includes every one of you, and everybody when I go out there, and that includes my wife and my kids and everybody in our family, I got to not do this, move them backwards. I got to move them this way somehow. Praying for them, encouraging them, sharing with them the things that I'm learning of God. Does that make sense? Remember this thing that Jesus wraps up the Great Commission with. The last thing he says. If you don't remember anything else from this. He says, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. So why does Jesus ask us to make disciples? Right. I have a picture of my son. I'll say this again, Ethan. Sorry. You know, when you, your dad is a preacher, <laughs> you got to put up with this kind of stuff. But when Ethan was about four, there's a picture of him that I have. And he's, he's just smiling with the biggest smile on top of this big John Deere tractor. His hands are on the steering wheel. But he's sitting on the lap of my 6'3", big, burly, Scottish man, my wife's brother, Jed. Jed's driving, really, but Ethan has his hand on the wheel, and he thinks he's the one plowing the field, right? Jesus asks us to make disciples because he wants us to sit on his lap. I didn't lead Kelsey to Christ or anybody else that... God has brought into our ministry that have come to know Jesus. Jesus has done it, but he let me sit on his lap while he was doing it. He let me put my hands on the steering wheel. That's all he wants us to do, church family. The more of us that do it, the more of a team we'll have to move people closer to Jesus, and the more people will come into his kingdom before this whole 
titanic earth sinks beneath the waves. So let me pray for us. Um, Father, thank you so much for this church body, for Matt and his crew, and for everybody that serves in this church. Please bless them, Lord. Thank you that we get to be around and come back and say aloha to them. We love them. Please love on them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.